Hello, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and this is episode number 30. So this week I've got Finlay Wilson, who you may know better as Kilted Yoga Guy. He had a bit of a YouTube success, which is a massive understatement, uh, with one of his videos that was put out in March. Um, it's basically two of them in kilts, topless, doing crazy yoga poses uh, out in a Highland-style landscape. A little bit tongue-in-cheek, and that went out on uh, as part of the BBC's social content, and it's had something like 53 million views, um, which is insane. I mean, beyond that, uh, Finlay's got an unbelievable Instagram following, something like 67,000 people on there. We talk about that, we talk about how he sustains that, how he's built that, that sort of following... Um, we talk about the hate mail he's received because of that um, and he also runs so Heartspace Yoga um, and Heartspace Whole Foods based in Dundee as well so he's got all these wonderful things going on and just such a, a really nice genuine guy and I'm really grateful that I managed to capture an hour of his time uh, in the middle of what sounds like a bit of a media frenzy where he's been contacted left right and centre and yeah, he was really up for the podcast and we had a, a really, really great chat. So before we dive into the episode, there's a couple of things I want to cover. Uh, first off, uh, me and my wife just adopted a dog. Now, I know that might not seem relevant, but um, I'm sure, <laughs> I assure you it is to the podcast. His name is Fred. Um, he's an adorable uh, basset hound. So big droopy ears, teeny tiny legs slobbery. What I'll do is I'll put, a, I'll put an image into the the show notes so you can see him. So he's going to be in the office with me most days, um, which also means he's going to be in and around the podcast recordings. So if you do hear some panting in the background or rustling about or barking, etc., I can assure you it's not me, it is Fred. Um, so yeah, it's just to sort of give you a heads up that any background noise that you know that that yeah, I'm not sitting across from a guest just panting away. That is probably Fred under the desk wanting attention. And further to that, I, I've sort of been out and chatting to a couple of people um, and they've brought up the podcast, um, talking about specific episodes that they've enjoyed. And so my, my thought for this week is that I know a lot of people have pulled in to the episodes that they, they already know people um, and they want to find out more about them or learn about their backstory. But what I would urge you to do is just go and find an episode that you don't know anything about the person or you don't know anything about the profession and take a bit of a gamble um, because we do have quite a sizable back catalogue now. There's loads of really interesting stories and just go and learn about something, about someone that you've never heard of before and just take a bit of a punt on it. Um, I assure you that all the episodes are great and all the conversations I had are really enjoyable and there's lots of great insights in there. The podcast is about learning new things, learning about new people and helping promote what they're doing and all the great things that are happening in Dundee. So yeah, go and find someone or something that you've never heard of before and listen to their episode. And again, if you're brand new to the podcast, the best way to keep up to date with everything that's happening um, at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram and also on the Facebook group, uh, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. So that's the best place to find out who's up next, uh, when the episode's released, etc. 
So that's it for this week's intro. Now on to the episode. So it is number 30 and this is Finlay Wilson. I started yoga back when I was 19. I just had surgery on both of my legs, so like six months apart. So the recovery was really extended. So after one was operated on, I had six months to get myself back together and then the next one got done. Um, and it meant that when I was going to my first classes, I was in crutches, having built myself up from different mobility aids. So when I first started, I w- wasn't able to stand up in class without my legs buckling. From There was some nerve damage on the left leg. There still is nerve damage there. Um, and it was really challenging to start with. Like I, I absolutely hated it with a passion. So I, I can empathise when people come to class and having a hard time. And... I stuck with that for maybe about a year and then just started doing stuff by myself at home. What in particular, when you say like you hated it, was it like the the physicality of it? Was it like the, the public aspect of it or like what about it was it that you didn't like? Yeah, there was a public aspect to it. There was that like being the only person in the room that couldn't seem to be doing it. But there was also the almost lack of empathy from the instructor where it was like I said to her I can't stand up unsupported and she just said well we're doing standing poses like oh great so there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount of empathy or support in that it was basically sit out and join back in when you can and like that's not it's not great Mm -hmm. that's not great um so I really didn't like that bit because then you feel singled out so it's not that you can try and do things with modifications it was just sit out and be the lemon in the room that can't do the thing but what so what pushed you there in the first place? What drew you to, to yoga? Some One of my friends suggested when I was going through the recovery process, because my lower back took quite a hit from the surgery and the recovery, and there wasn't a huge amount that I could do, and somebody said it was easy and that it would be something and it would help with my back. And So that was my main reason going along, was to try and strengthen myself back up and make my back feel better after all of it. Um, but then the reason I stuck with it is because I'm really stubborn. So I ended up, this is like pre-YouTube days, I just ended up going home and listening to yoga podcasts oh. and using those and trying to understand what on earth they were talking about half the time. Like, come into this pose with this leg wrapped around here and over there. And I had no idea what it was meant to look like, but, you know, I persevered. And so how long were you doing that sort of practice on your own then? I mean, I, I practice on my own the majority of the time. It's... From that point, I've never really had a teacher that I've spent time with, so I've been self-taught from then. I've gone and done trainings with people where maybe I've spent a month with a teacher, but I don't have a dedicated teacher. I don't have a dedicated class that I go to. I never really have. I've always preferred to explore by myself. When you say explore, what does that mean? Because you're you're talking about, in the beginning, there was this sort of struggling to understand this, this concept. Um, so there must have been a point at which you thought, oh, now I actually am starting to get this. I think I, I diversified my use of resources. So I think the first two years I was using these like audio podcasts and there was like the free version, which was like 20 minutes. And then there was like a paid for version. Like I knew I was like getting really keen and I was willing to pay 99p for my one hour version. Like that's when I knew I was invested. And, I think, <laughs> and as, as cheap as that sounded... Being a student at the time, it was just, it seemed like a big deal. So that those were like those were really challenging to build up from like twenty minutes to an hour was a, a big deal. 
And I did those for years. Like I did those for years before you know any video material or even even like VHS stuff. I wasn't using any of that stuff. I was just using these PDFs and things that I was finding online. Which seems mad because you think like the video would be the the obvious way. Well, now it, it seems. Like yeah, now I mean now you I mean type in yoga on YouTube and you've got so much that you can go through. But back then, not so much. Like it wasn't really a thing. You know, nobody was kind of sitting around watching YouTube videos for ages. It was it just wasn't really done. Um, so I think if I was to have the same experience again now, it'd be a very different scenario because there'd be so many resources to draw on. But I didn't have that. Yeah. So you sort of, but you rehabilitated yourself um, using yoga and sort yeah. of self-taught, I suppose. Yep. Um, and so I was still following. I was still following like a sort of allegiance to a style. So I was doing sort of Ashtanga and Vinyasa yoga, and they're they're quite strong and dynamic styles and ashtanga like you go to an ashtanga class anywhere in the world and it would be the same sequence so there was like a familiarity and routine and discipline to it which made for like you know get up on every day and you're doing the same thing and that was both good and not good at the and same time were those like styles that you sort of fell into or were they like consciously picked out no 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 those are it was basically what was available at the time i mean i had very little knowledge that there was other things out there or i would like you know, when you, I think when you do those stronger styles and you become proficient at them, you almost look on with contempt to the people that are doing like the really gentle, not really doing anything ones. But you know, there's a, there's a, a time and a place and a value to all of them. But at the time, I, I didn't have access to them, so it wasn't something I was doing, and it also wasn't something that I felt was helpful for me at that time. So I think the stronger ones felt like they would give me more. Okay, and so at what point? Did you feel like, so what point did it go beyond just a, a rehabilitation and like a sort of a pastime? What point did you start to take it more seriously? So my fourth year of uni, I ended up having to do like 110 credits in semester one and 10 credits in semester two. So I was there like once every two weeks. And so I ended up doing a lot more yoga and started like pursuing it a bit more. And, you know, I'd share with my friends, we you know, we do yoga after a run or something. And I sort of started falling into teaching them things, not that it was ever my intention at all. Then when I graduated, I had planned to go and become a teacher in the States. So I was going to go over there and become a geography and environmental science geology teacher. And when I moved over there, there was quite a bit of waiting to do for all the paperwork and things to get transcribed over to like United States Standard and fundraise as well, because it's very expensive to go to school over there. And... And so I was just going to classes a lot. It's like um, the gym that I went to was like vastly different to any gym here. It was just like this ginormous machine with so many different things in it. And there was like a specific room just for yoga. And I was there all the time doing classes. Um, but again, it was, I was still limited to just those two styles of yoga. There wasn't, wasn't really any ability to touch outside of that. So I was doing that a lot and then started thinking oh maybe I should do like teacher training and it wasn't until I moved like I ended up my 21st birthday I remember sitting in a drag bar in Chicago thinking 21st birthday I can finally go out drinking in Chicago and then ended up like basically quite like shaking fevered nauseous I ended up contracting like um, a form of strep that we don't really get over here and it hit me so hard that I ended up getting an abscess in my throat I had to fly home to get treatment here because it was expensive to get treatment there and then never went back and the day I got out of hospital when I got back 
I went along to a yoga class in my hometown, my hometown tiny. Went to yoga class there and the teacher was like, oh my gosh, you're pretty good. You should think about doing a training. How would you feel about helping me run this class? And so she started putting me through a teacher training program. It was literally, like, you know, my first available day that I was back in Scotland. Yeah. And I suppose well, you were already thinking about going into the realm of teaching. Yeah. Uh, so when it came to teaching yoga, it felt kind of normal for me to do this, to do that because I you know if I'm if I can get excited about it and passionate about it I can definitely talk about it as you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then, did you then take up those classes and then you started teaching in your hometown? Yeah. So I had to do I had to do some learning modules. So I had to enroll in a teacher training, but she signed up as my mentor and started having me teach classes and stuff. So I was I was doing that, and actually the the first people that I was teaching was adults with um, severe disabilities who are in full time care. So that's who I started teaching initially. So it was a while before I was teaching, you know, like regular classes to the public because I was focusing on this sort of disability practice initially. And I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that work. Actually, I still do some of it, so. But I think that's, when you think of yoga, that's not really the audience that stereotypically comes to mind. Mm. Um, but is there a lot of that type of work going on with yoga? I think there's a lot of people trying to, to do these things because actually there's a lot of benefit that can be had so I mean I, I have done work with different sort of groups of disabled children around Dundee and actually the results are great and to get them excited about going home and doing something that is physical is you know that's an absolute gift to be able to do and I think there's a lot of people starting to catch on to that more now you know we get approached by schools all the time asking for us to come in and work with their kids and it's yeah it's it's great because I think they see that I'm passionate about it and it, it rubs off on the kids because then they end up like really wired about it which is mm. great I'd rather they're wired about that than I have absolutely no idea but how do you get kids excited about yoga? So when when I've gone into schools usually they're not overly convinced in the first couple of minutes when we're sitting trying to get them to be quiet for a few minutes because um, their attention span ain't great but then what I found is challenging them works really well so Instead of being like, here's an easy move you can all do, it's like, here's a really easy move you could do, but here's the really hard version of it, and, you know, one of you in a million might be able to do it, great, let's see what happens. And they get really excited about that, because they're just like, oh my gosh, is it going to be me, is it going to be me? And they don't do it in, like, a competitive way, they they end up kind of egging each other on and being, like, really amazed, like, if somebody in the room gets it, and that kind of gets them, it gets them really into it. So I kind of mix in, like... It's not like a regular class. I mean, their attention spans challenging. It's like, let's have them sitting, run around like idiots, then sitting, running around like idiots, sitting, running around like idiots. So I have to kind of keep mixing in games and things for them to get engaged. Yeah. So it's a very different pace than adult class. I only get them running around like idiots every now and then. And then is the idea, so once you engage those kids, you said that they, they're excited to go and do that at home. Yeah. So how does, yeah. How does that work then? Well, I get I get feedback from parents and school teachers saying, you know, the parents have come in and said, like, oh, he was showing us what he was doing at school today, or he was showing us what he was doing at the studio, and he was really excited. So there was one boy who had like a lot of communication issues and used a communication tablet, but he was still he still had ways of communicating outside of that, and he would go home and use his way of communicating and the way that I would communicate with him to teach his parents the poses he'd done that day and the ones that he was really proud of getting. So it was really amazing to to see that and to get that kind of feedback as well and to see their development 
over time, you know, like, you know, from week one to week 10, being able to be, do very little to being able to do actually quite a lot. It's like a huge confidence boost. Mm. Yeah. So you went into to the teaching side of things mm -hmm. and then, so what happened between there and then you sort of mentioned the YouTube stuff like the videos started. Mm -hmm. So how did you get from, from one space to, the, to that? So the, that, that's, hmm, there's quite a bit there. So okay. when I left Lanark and moved to Dundee and just, I came here for, um, to do like a college course for about six months and then ended up kind of working at DW, like doing some reception work, but also um, started teaching just a couple of adult classes there. Hmm. And after, after about a year, you know, I was teaching a few classes, I was teaching classes elsewhere, you know, I thought I was really busy because I had like four people coming to my classes, like I was, you know, totally mobbed, like a mailing list of 30 people, you know, right up there. Um, little did I know that's quite mis quite misguided. So I then thought, okay, I think I want to open up my own space because I was getting really sick of renting spaces that were dirty, expensive, noisy, and never had any props or like the people that were managing those spaces just weren't sympathetic to what I was doing. Like you would have like slamming music on next door and I'm trying to get people to lie down and, you know, do deep breathing or do some meditation work and it just wasn't working. So I went looking for a space. I was looking around like City Key, I was looking around here and then I found um, on Scott Street like this old church hall that was like fall bits, like the floor was up. There was, you know, plants growing on the inside of the building, the roof had holes in it. Um, there was like no heating, nothing and took that on and converted it over about nine months with my partner at the time. And we opened up the studio and then, so the studio kind of started me teaching more of like a five day schedule, which is now a seven day schedule. And, you know, it's gone from like 40 people on the mailing list to like 5,000 on the mailing list and seeing about 300 students a week. Um, so in that time, it was like, okay, well, you guys are coming to classes, should I start creating some video resources for you? And my, my YouTube stuff, um, is more functional so like you know they'll come to class and they'll do like a round of abdominals and some shoulder stuff it's like well they can then go home and go on YouTube and do the same shoulder stuff and do the same abdominal work or do the mind sort of like at your office chair yoga thing so they can do that so uh, yeah again it's more um, perfunctory rather than like oh it's really stylish really cool like really well edited it wasn't really any of that it was just functional um so I, I, you know, it's not like I was picking up like a massive audience with that stuff. Um, but you suppose you did, you'd built the, I suppose you built the audience in a way first through your through your practice, and then you were creating. You said you're creating content for them, but yeah. then that's opening that out to okay, well that's it could be for anyone that's, that's in there. So well. I think the thing that sort of launched the the YouTube stuff in particular was we did a fundraiser, and I did uh, an advanced practice demonstration that I set to music, so basically just doing yoga poses sets to different tracks and it was really intense and it ended up getting like thousands of views whereas like some of the others it was like you know 200 people watch this video wow amazing um whereas this one you know they were getting like thousands of views and like loads of comments and it was really cool and it, like you know it was getting decent traction and so i think it was around about that time when people were sort of when people saw that aesthetic because the whole point of that demonstration was meant to be kind of my me like the, the music i chose and like the wording in the music was very much to try and show people like, okay, this, it was kind of like a really naff beginning for me with my yoga stuff and I didn't enjoy it, but actually 
it can be incredibly transformative and I wanted that to be portrayed in this performance to be like to have people go oh my god like I have no idea that was possible or that's amazing or that's what his story is how incredible and so that started yeah that sort of started me off with like okay I've got a message here and yes it's getting to some of the people that come to the classes but there's more people that could be hearing this and so I started putting stuff on Instagram and as usual when people start on Instagram they're taking photos of their dogs what they had for dinner and being really proud of like filtering to death you know, the scrambled eggs that they had that morning. So that was my, my Instagram beginnings. <laughs> I actually, it was like three years ago to today, I was celebrating, no, three years ago, two years ago to today, I just, on like the Facebook memories came up today and it was just like me celebrating, I had like a thousand followers on Instagram. It's like, wow, that's amazing. The thing is, it's all, it's all relative though. Yeah. Totally. Like I've nowhere near a thousand followers. I'd be ecstatic. Oh, well, that was that was that was then. Now it's you know yeah. like today. I'm like I'm, tonight. My post is gonna be like okay. I've got like sixty seven thousand followers now on Instagram. It's like okay, it's a bit different, um, in terms of engagement in a big way. But it feels like two years is like a really short amount of time to kind of build that kind of profile up. Yeah, my, you know? my maths is terrible, but I'm trying to work out. Like how many is that a month over two years? That's well, that's the thing. Initially, it was super slow. I mean, I was talking like if I got like three followers a day, it was like wow, today's been a big day. Whereas now it's like if it's under a hundred followers a day, it's a slow day. Wow, that's yeah. that's insane. Yeah, so it's a, it's a slow day, and like you know, if it's not a hundred comments, that's a low comment day. So yeah, like the engagement is completely different and eats up a completely different amount of my time as well um so how do you how did you facilitate that acceleration what what i that so from what i've asked from the people that are on my social media platforms is the one thing they look for is my consistency i will post when i've done my morning yoga practice and i usually posting around about the same time within about an hour's time frame and they watch for that some people say like they wait every single day to see that some of the kids' classes that I teach, so like the, the um, children with additional support needs class, what they would do in their morning registration is that they would do their morning registration and then they would check in to see what yoga pose I'd done that day. And it made, it made up part of their school day. It's mm. interesting, yeah. So I suppose, yeah, it's that consistency of content and you're, you're building an audience that, that then has a need for that. Hmm. and they, they, they constantly look for that well they get yeah. access to your life and they get access to your life in the same way it's almost like if you can start making it into their routine you know people are picking up the newspaper they're also picking up their phone if they know that they can expect to see a post from you then they'll do that and I, what was interesting is like if I miss a post window in that morning I get people asking if I'm alright <laughs> people checking up and being like mm, not seeing your post today everything alright and, you know, and it's not just like two or three people, it's hundreds of people sending me messages saying, you're right. That's nice and yeah. a bit creepy in the same way. It's way. nice, but I mean, I've had some serious like negativity like from online stuff. And like, um, I don't know if you saw, like, there was a video that I put out on the BBC as like a retaliation to the hate that I was getting um, from people. So it's, yeah, it's a, basically a, a way out is a way in. So if I'm putting my life out there, there are other people who are going to try and make their way in there and they do not always have good intentions. So Yeah, and I think if you but have... It, I will never let it stop me mm. because the Instagram block button is great. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But I think if you if you grow an audience to that sort of size, it's a given that there's going to be people who yeah. engage you or try to engage with you who aren't a fan of what you do. Yeah. Well, and but it's, I mean, with that, I mean, it's like there's people who I've had people email me like, you're posting all this stuff, and I I really don't want to see it. And my response is usually, well, don't look at it. Nobody's making you follow me. So, and it's not, not an arrogant way, it's like genuinely you have used your own free will to go onto my page. You've actually gone to the effort of looking it up and then to look at my website to then email me. Like, you've gone to a lot of effort here, hun. And so, usually if I get like negative comments and stuff, like if it's something constructive I can respond to, fair enough. If it's just somebody like hating, then I usually just delete and block that person. Or if I've not seen it, my the people who follow me who are like good fans, mm. They are militant. Like, they will, you know, it's like a little army in my back, which is, it's actually really great. Really great. Like, when, when I got, like, the sort of hate letter at my front door, like, the internet went mental about that. Like, I had people, like, getting in touch from all over the world. I ended up getting the Equalities Officer of the United Nations getting in touch, saying, I can't believe this is happening to you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing to show that reach of, yeah. of an audience and then the, the sort of strength in numbers. So, do you think there's any like markers or things that you've done that have specifically led to your audience growing so quickly? I am vulnerable with them. So, if I, I don't go on there, one of the things I detest about the yoga world is this like perception that it should everything is calm and serene and perfect and that everybody is perfect and that nobody can do anything wrong because we're all so damn spiritual. And I see like that is so not my life. I'm having a bad day. The only way I'm going to get through it and get support is by actually speaking out about it. And that's what I do now. I don't sort of keep it together. I put it out there. I'm like, this is how I feel. This is an expression. And actually, I think part of my creativity is being able to put out there and put on paper or in text what what I'm going through, how I feel, and connect it with an image and then begin to handle the response from there. It starts a conversation. It starts other people engaging and thinking like, okay, well... Actually, I'm having the exact same day, and that's sometimes the best thing that you can hear. Someone else is having the same thing. You know, it's that level of empathy, and I think that 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 willingness to be vulnerable. Yeah, my, I'm not putting out like fine art on my Instagram, but I'm still putting out writing. I'm still putting out personal reflective writing. It's, but I mean, if, essentially, it's my journal, hmm. and it's online, and everybody's reading it. So, yeah. I think it's that, like, a lot of people message in saying it's the consistency and the ability to be vulnerable with all of these people that they admire. So. And there's also sort of, there's an aesthetic consideration that you have as well. Mm. And that there's a, there's a definite consistency. There's mad yoga pants. There's some sort of minimalist background. There's a crazy pose. And you're topless pretty much every day. And that's your sort of style that you've well, seem to... Well, the, you know, when you start breaking it down like that, so like the, the topless thing, I, I practice in front of a really intense space here and any, anything other than that and you actually just melt and my laundry bill would go through the roof. So that's that's one consideration. The leggings, again, it's a sweat thing. If I'm in shorts, I can't do half the stuff because my legs are so slippery. Um, then the the shot angle is literally... I'm on a small mezzanine level and there's a railing and my camera can't go any further back than that. So I'm so limited by the angles that I can use in the room that I'm in at the minute and have been in for a year. So I can only really change the angle so much. But I think I've got a decent enough amount of space to be able to show what I need to show on a daily basis. 
but yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I'm, I don't use, I don't use my Instagram for instructional or like business broadcast. I don't like this is how you do this pose or, um, like, oh, come to my workshop. I don't really do that because I, it's not what I want to be sharing. Hmm. Like, I, I use other social media platforms for that kind of thing. Because you've got so Twitter, Facebook, yeah. YouTube, Instagram. Yeah. So how how do you keep on top of all that? Like, do you have any like sort of mechanisms or techniques? No, I, I initially my Twitter I had it set up so it literally just reposted everything I put on Facebook, and that was fine until I realized it's like your Twitter has five thousand posts and you have four followers. It's like oh well nobody's engaging with this because it's just a, an automatic link from Facebook. Because I think at some point the integration changed where it wasn't just taking the post and doing the same post you have to pay extra for that or it's just showing you a link or if you just make it an original post but that's time consuming so what i now do is i now sort of create content for each so most of my business and events and advertising of business stuff happens on my facebook my twitter I'm having conversations, I'm resharing articles, I'm resharing stuff that I'm interested in. I also use that to get my sort of like political campaigner voice on and my Instagram is almost like my personal journal. So they each have a different voice and I occasionally post on them to say, you should totally check out this because this is where you find out this information. You should check out this, this is where you get that information. I recently became Twitter verified, which suddenly has made people suddenly interested in what I'm saying anyway, which helps, I guess. You get a nice little blue, a little blue tick. Yeah, so. person of interest. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be nice to sort of move on to talk a bit about the video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I got uh, approached initially last year by in, in about December, November, December time, by BBC The Social, who'd been seen my Instagram, left me a comment, and then left me a voicemail. So. I called them, went to a meeting with them, and what they were saying is they were wanting to collect a diverse Scottish voice to kind of put out a different message about, well, Scottish culture, really, and that's what their funding remit is. And so they're looking at content creators to put out different kinds of content. We were invited along to this meeting, and you know they were saying, showing us some of the stuff that had gone out the year before. We got to meet all the other content creators and chat with them and stuff. And, and they basically said, get your thinking head on and start thinking. So while I was at this event, I was thinking, I was just like, I really want to do, like I, I said to them, I was like, look, when I teach yoga, I teach it like an absolute jester. Like it, if somebody hasn't almost wet their pants laughing, then I've not done my job well. Um, and I quite like it to go like that the majority of the time, even when it should be serious. And so I thought, okay, well, I really want to get my sense of humor across. And I suggested to the, um, to the sort of the researcher and the editor I was like hey what if we do one so it's like an aftershave commercial was like really beautiful landscape yoga 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 and then like bare asses and they're like yeah no so they weren't up for that and so my first video ended up being like as stereotypical as possible like how to be mindful with new year's resolutions with Finley Wilson was like oh geez I always felt like part of my soul left my body when I did that but I did it, um, and was passionate about it, and, but it, it was not necessarily what I wanted to do. And then I suggested, I was like, look, I've got this dog, he likes doing yoga with me, and, you know, he's a rescue dog from Sri Lanka, plus he's adorable, what, you know, can I create a video about that? And they said, okay, sure, send us what, you, what you're thinking. So I sent that in, and it ended up getting about over two and a half million views, so 
you know, that like blew my mind. Like me and my dog were in like every newspaper up and down the country and, you know, worldwide people sharing this video. And so, you know, I thought like two and a half million, it was like already the BBC, the social were like, that's amazing. Your next video is never going to do anything like that. Like, you know, still give us some ideas, but you've probably, that's the top of your game. Like you're never going to beat that. And I was like, okay, fair enough. You know, a little bit discouraged, but they said like for your next one, like we'll let you have like one of the, sort of trainee filmmakers to come along and do the filming with you. So I got paired with Anna Cheney, who came along and I said, look, I want to do the kilt one. They're like, okay, fine. So, you know, I chose the location and I sort of dropped a message to Tristan. was like, hey, you know, why don't you come along and do this with me? Because you know, we both get a similar aesthetic, you know, I get like beard, muscles, some tattoos. It's like, you know, ginger beards. Let's just make this happen. So we went along and we filmed that. And again, you know, they give us a spiel, it's probably not going to do so well, just so you know. And then when the video went out, I went in to teach a class and it had been maybe out for a couple of hours. And when I went to teach my class, I looked at it. I was trying to do my best not to look at it and it was sitting at a million views. So I was already like squealing, being like, it's already had a million, wow. And thinking like, it's going to stop there. Got out of my second class, two million by the time I got home. 3 million by the time I woke up the next day, 17 million. And then like it just started snowballed from there. And then like within about two weeks, it's sent at 45 million. And now it's at like 56 million. It's been ripped by different people all over. It's been picked up by TV stations all over the world. So what does that mean for you? Like, so say you've put a video out, you've created this, I mean, it, it didn't sound like you spent weeks and weeks and weeks coming up with this concept. Oh, no. It was like three minutes. Tops. <laughs> I was just like, I'd be hilarious. Butts out. It was meant to, it was meant to have a big swear word at the end, but it didn't. Um, that, that didn't happen. Um, and is it a, a sort of, it seems like a sarcastic dig. Well, this is the thing. Some people, I've heard some people saying like, oh, you're so disrespecting yoga. And I was like, no, not really. Like, if anyone did a headstand in a kilt, their ass would be out. And I was like... Yoga in a kilt looks really serene, but there's some moves that if you do them, you're going to have your butt out. And that was one of them. So it wasn't a dig. I was mostly, I think I wanted, like, part of my remit that I said, I was like, look, I really love different Scottish environments. I want to show people, like, a really beautiful side of Scotland. I also want to show that there's, like, a healthy aspect to Scotland as well, rather than people thinking, like, oh, it's all childhood beastie and, like, deep-fried Mars bars. I wanted to show that there was this, like, health thing I was like, you're not going to find people doing yoga in the woods and kilts. You're not. I mean, you're not gonna do well, you might now. Now, it's, <laughs> uh, now that it's a thing. Um, but you're not going to find people doing that. So I, I, you know, I knew that we'd be the first ones to do it. I knew that no one else had done it. So I just thought it'd be amusing. I, but I was aware it would piss some people off. I was aware of that. <laughs> then that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's when you know you're doing well when you start getting hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that video obviously goes crazy, and you're you're checking it. But was there any like off the back of that? Did you have a whole lot of people contacting you and asking you for things? And yeah, obviously, I have no experience of what having a video like that. Yeah, entails. so I mean, we were having magazines, newspapers, TV stations getting in touch, wanting us to come and do stuff. Charities wanting us to come and do stuff with them and hang out with them. Kilt makers from all over the world been like, please wear our kilts. You know, shoe companies been like, wear our shoes. Uh, so that that was really interesting. Then we got invited to go to New York to the Tartan Day Parade. So like, I'm now like the only yoga teacher that has photographs, like you know, good photographs of 
me doing yoga on Sixth Avenue with Sixth Avenue shut down and crowds of screaming people. Like, bizarre. So you're sort of still riding that that nice wave. Yeah, of... yeah. I mean, it's still it's still going. I mean, even this morning, this morning, um, Visit Scotland sent me an email saying like, "Oh, this like company wants to do some work with you. Are you keen?" I was like, "Sure. Hey, why not?" Um, I've got a couple of kilts getting made at the minute for me for for other stuff. I was in photo shoots all last week um, for stuff in my kilt. So yeah, it's it's turning into a real thing because obviously there was another video that we did. Um, the second video got about 3 million views, um, which, you know, we weren't expecting it to be anywhere near as, like, mind-blowing as the first one, but, like, 3 million views is pretty decent. I'd um, say so, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, like, now I'm just like, oh, 3 million views, nothing. Um, so I got, like, 3 million views, and it was um, featured on, like, on BBC One. Like, it ended up on BBC One, and it was like, wow, it's, like, totally like, prime-time slot. Um, I, you know, and I've done interviews on BBC One, BBC Two, Channel Four, Channel Five. And it's been really nice to be able to do that. And actually what I did strategically was like the first time we appeared on TV, we, we, you know, we spoke to the BBC exclusively, BBC Two. And, you know, they asked me like, what's next? And I said, actually, I want to use this time now that people know my name to actually start talking about stuff that matters. You know, I was like, I want to start talking about depression. I want to start talking about the issues that are in Scotland for LGBT people. I want to start using, you know, my powers for good and that's exactly what I did so I mean even the the video for depression it's almost it's almost at a million views but for a video of that type because it's most videos that get cut like decent coverage are like under 40 seconds whereas this one's like two minutes 40 seconds so it's like we're something to say and a lot of people have sat through that you know like we were in the daily record last week a double page spread for my twin brother and I my twin brother's story my story and then something in the middle about the work that we're doing together as twins putting out this information so so what is it you're doing um in that realm with your brother then so um we created a video on male depression and how both he and i manifested it in two different ways which you know as genetically identical twins it's quite interesting we both end up with the same mental health problem um but we both manifested differently. Him, his life kind of like shut down, whereas mine, I stayed high functioning, but ended up really dependent on alcohol, tablets, all kind of different things, coping mechanisms. Um, so we manifest it in different ways. We want to let people know. It's like, okay, well, just because your depression doesn't look like his depression, maybe it looks more like my depression, maybe it's a spectrum somewhere in the middle, doesn't mean that it's not the thing. It's still the thing, and you should probably still speak to someone about it. And that was our main thing, was like, you know, we were raised in an atmosphere of don't talk about it. Um, and if a lot of guys are raised in this, with this idea that talking about it makes you less of a man and less valuable as a person, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, there's this joke that I remember one of my yoga clients said to me, and it was like, a Scottish man loved his wife so much, he almost told her. You know, and it's like, you know, we, we, we struggle to express um, and yeah, a lot of people express who are, I mean, obviously from like a background with people with um, a lot of artists and actually expression becomes a very different thing, but you know, art isn't a huge part of my day to day. So my expression is like, how do I, how do I do expression? Both me and my twin brother post stuff, we write stuff and that's become what we do. And so like what we wanted to do is spark up that conversation and get people talking about it, especially to their, if they've got brothers, to their brothers. You know? Yeah, I think 
Yeah, I mean, the, it's this sort of British stiff upper lip mm. type thing. But there's a, there's a different kind of stoicism up here. It really is, like, like, I've gone down south, I've run different workshops, like emotional processing workshops down south and then up here. And, like, down south, it's, like, people totally will and roll with it and roll the punches. Up here, it's a lot of, the kind of, like, guardedness, like, mm, why would we be doing that then? Um, I don't know, especially, like, I feel like, Whereas from kind of like farming backgroundy area, like a lot of farming towns and mining villages and stuff, it just yeah, there's a lot. It's it's tough to talk about it. But then you need those people to stand up and yeah. like talk out against it, and then things will start to happen in and around that. And the more that we can talk about it, and especially I mean, what you're saying is because you're now in the public eye, you can use that to your advantage. Yeah, um, which is amazing. I think more people should do that. Yeah. actually start to I mean this is not the only issue that, that needs addressed there's so many of really worthy causes that just hide in the background for so long and it, yeah. it, it just takes someone to stand up and do something about yeah, it yeah that's something that I've been kind of struggling with lately is like okay with this with this emergence on social media it's like okay well I'm still doing what I'm doing but actually I should also take responsibility for the things that I'm passionate about and believe in and actually speak about that because it's just as valuable so there's lots of different organizations again touched me and like, and like I had a phone call the other week with like Amnesty International who wanted me to speak out about certain things. I've been invited down to the like the South Bank Centre to speak about male depression at this like big massive festival for guys um, in London. It's like okay, you know, it's getting taken a bit more seriously. But also, there's part of me that feels like I need to be careful. Like I don't want to then suddenly become like this big massive campaigner and that's all I become anymore. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I almost have a responsibility to, to go with that more now. So, sort of looking, I mean, it sounds like you've got so many different facets to what you do. Yeah. And like you're sort of all over the place, whether it's going out to do retreats or whether it's teaching classes here or like creating content for online. What is, I mean, is there a typical day for you or are there little constants that are always there within your day? Well, yeah, I mean, even this is a slightly different variable to a day, but it's something that I'm now factoring in a lot more. It's like, okay, well, actually, I'm going to go do a podcast interview or I'm going to go do a different phone interview. And so there's, there's become a lot more unpredictability of who wants stuff and when from my day to day. So that, that has kind of drawn a lot of my attention and time. But, I mean, today my standard day is, like, get up, walk the dog, do yoga, post about it, go teach, <laughs> start thinking about food, and then come into the city centre and start doing that. So, because also, um, my partner and I run um, Heartspace Whole Foods here and in Dundee, in St Andrews as well. So, you know, it's kind of like running between the two. So I'm, always, I'm in there at least once a day, um, saying hi to folks and, you know, checking what's going on and, than answering emails and spending a ridiculous amount of time like checking messages and things. Um, so yeah, my standard day, since March when all the video stuff kicked off, like I don't really have a standard day anymore. Like there's, but I've accepted it. I think I'm. I think we've done quite well with it. Like with rolling with the punches. Like okay, you want this thing? Sure, I can still do that and still teach. You know, it's been good to still be able to do that. And I think it's been really great to also have my students really behind what I'm doing as well so you know they're really proud of it like yeah in order to be proud that they get to go and say to their friends like remember that kilt thing that's my teacher <laughs> and like yeah some of them take an inordinate amount of pride in that which is hilarious <laughs> so how long do you spend per day 
uh, practicing. Between ninety minutes and two hours. Um, if I'm if I'm tight for time, uh, you know, it could be anything from like a half an hour to an hour. But I, I try and do. Um, if I'm teaching a ninety minute class, which is most days, then it will at least get that in. Um, and especially like you know, I'm usually sort of tinkering through the sequence that I'll want to teach that night because if it's fresh in my body, it'll be fresh for me to describe vocally. So I want to be able to articulate clearly like, okay, when I was doing this earlier, I was working with this thing, explore doing that yourself and mm. see what that feels like. And that seems to work really well for people. Like I don't understand when people can just go into a room and just regurgitate something that they're just like making up or that they've done like 9,000 times. I just don't get it. I don't feel like it can be adaptive and responsive and that's what I really enjoy about like um, forest or what I, I do is it is really adaptive and it can be modified and one of the things that in particular that I really like is when I'm teaching it there's a sort of why and how for everything so I'm not just going to like randomly get you to do a pose like and you can ask me like why are we doing this here it's like I have an answer for that question you're doing this because you know, we're moving towards something and actually there's something to be glimmered from this pose or something that can be warmed up or facilitated that will help with the next one. Um, and so I could either, it's almost like music. So if, if I had to just take a piano and just sort of randomly start smacking down whatever note I wanted, it's not going to sound good to your ear. But if I start playing notes in an order with some thought behind it and start putting together a melody, it's much more pleasing and less discordant to the ear and you will be able to recognize the semblance of what you're going for. If I had to play something familiar, you go, ah, I now know why we're doing this. And it's the same with yoga. It's, sequencing is an art form. It really is. And I think that's something that is missing from the majority of yoga classes that I've ever gone to, which is why I don't go to them. <laughs> <laughs> so what's different about the ones that you run to your to other yoga classes? Then? The sequences are thought out. From the moment you sit down, you the, the class will feel different. We start with and intent, so there's a you know, there's a focus for your thoughts, a focus either physically, emotionally, spiritually, for you to f like hone your attention and begin training and shifting your attention from the very first moment. Then there's usually some form of breathing exercise, and then the poses from there are all building towards it. So, for example, if we're doing if we're going to be doing back bends, then we're going to be progressively working into a way where the back bends get deeper and deeper, rather than like back bend, forward bend, side bend, twist, you know, it's like randomly throwing stuff together. It doesn't work or it actually becomes injurious. So, you know, we're working with some really up-to-date medical information. I mean, um, just, we've taken on staff, Helen Meadows, who, you know, she's like a doctor of forensic pathology. She knows her stuff, you know. She's had me in the lab cutting things open so that we can be like, oh, that's what a diaphragm feels like on an actual, well, a de on a dead human. But, you know, you, you get a different concept for it. So I think... We're working with really good theoretical data, which, you know, so we're, we're studying all the time, we're researching all the time, we're collaborating all the time. And so our experiential data is also being drawn on on a daily basis. You know, my, all my teachers, we get together and practice together and we chat and we speak about kind of like maybe different things that we've been working on or techniques that we've developed with maybe particular disability clients that we've been working with. And so we have this information share that I think is really unique to potentially other places where you might go and learn. Almost every yoga teacher, with the exception of one who I, you know, who's there for her specific skill set, everyone who's at the studio in Dundee started learning yoga with me, went through their teacher training, and has been with me since. Like they're homegrown, you know. So they, 
yeah, they're they're working with a good model. So, yeah, when I think of that, that consistency is helpful. It's, like I said with the Instagram posts, it's consistency. Mm. And people know what they're going to get. It's a great thing. I don't think it's a good idea sometimes just throw them a curveball just for the sake of throwing them a curveball. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to talk a bit about this, this city, um, you've obviously set up heart space here in Dundee. Mm -hmm. um, you've obviously stayed here for a while. Yep. Why, why stay in Dundee? Why build things here? Loads of people have asked me that. So when people ask me like, why do you set up a yoga studio in Dundee? Well, I could have, yeah, I could have done it in Glasgow. I could have done it in Edinburgh. Um, but there was a need for it here. So, you know, I, if I was in Glasgow, Edinburgh, there would be a lot of competition from elsewhere. Whereas here, there isn't really. So, you know, I noticed a gap in the market and I went for that. Um, the same with the, you know, the organic whole food shop, like, you know, same thing. Like there was nobody doing that. So we thought, okay, let's do that. But also like, you know, the, the, the yoga studio is set up as a charity. So there's part of this give back, like all the stuff I do for kids is like completely free. So, you know, I fundraise for that. I'm interested in the community. I want to be part of the community. I want to see the community healthier. And I feel like in Dundee, it, I feel less anonymous than if I was in Glasgow or in Edinburgh. If I was doing that there, you know, it'd be very, I think it'd be very challenging to kind of make way with that. But here, I feel like I can slowly start to see and influence change. I think it'd be much more doable here. And if it can happen here, it's a model that it can happen anywhere. And, you know, why not here? So what's I like your it here. <laughs> so did I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what the whole the whole podcast about is. Yeah. That Dundee's great. Um, <laughs> um, but what's your feel about the, the city at the moment and the sort of transition and change that it's going through? It's, do you know, it's interesting. So I find myself getting really angry when people start having a good old bitch about like, oh, this city's a mess or this v is going to be a disappointment. I'm just like, what? Well, if you're not going to get behind it, then what do you expect to do? You're just going to turn around and be like, told you so. It's like, or you could divert your energy to actually being supportive and positive and like get on board with the excitement. You know, like some of the people that are on like the, the team for like the VNA, they come to the studio. It's exciting to talk to them. It's exciting to see what the next stage is. I even got excited about them putting in the windows. I don't get excited about windows. <laughs> I got excited about their windows. You know, like I remember doing a yoga class in the Slesser Gardens before the Queen formally opened it. I was excited to be there. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this space. You know, like this functional space you've got in the city centre. You know, so yeah, I get excited about it. I think there's a huge amount of potential there. And it's exciting to see it. I mean, gosh, I mean, every time I feel like I drive away from Dundee and come back, it's like something's different, some new thing has gone up. And that's, I think that's, there's a bit of buzz about that. One thing I will say is like when I'm outside of Dundee and people are like asking about it, I say, there's a V&A coming here. They're like, no, 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 there isn't. As if it's like some grand lie that we're kind of kidding ourselves. It's like, no, genuinely it is. And I think that, I think that's, I think that might be like one of the tricky things coming up. It's like, okay, well, people still don't really know that it's coming here. I need to shout a bit louder. But that's part of what I want to help with. It's like, okay, well. You know, I'm going to do this, I'm, one of my next videos is going to be a, a sort of day in life of, for me, which will sort of film in Dundee, kind of like um, some of the Dundee streets, some of the Dundee people, me walking through. And the whole idea is it's like, some of you see me every day walking through Dundee. 
Um, but when I get home or when I get to the studio, I start doing all this crazy stuff. But you wouldn't notice it if I'm walking through. I mean, gosh, here I am in like jogging trousers, leopard socks and blue shoes. But actually underneath, I've got like kick-ass pair of leggings on. And I feel like a yoga superhero. <laughs> and so I kind of want to have like, you know, I'm going to do that. But it will showcase Dundee because I've not done any video that's about that yet. You know? So I think that's, yeah, it's exciting. There's a lot of... There's a lot of change, but I think it would be it would be negligent to get complacent and assume that everybody knows about it. Because actually, most of the people I speak to have no clue, unless they're from Dundee, that the DNA is coming here. Yeah. I think we could all be shouting louder, um, people in the creative industry and people just generally doing great things here. We all mm. need to shout a bit louder about what we do. And I suppose that's another thing I'm trying to do with this, is to sort yeah. of have that platform where you can dip into people's careers and find yeah. out what they got. Well, it's even something as simple as like traceability. I mean, I use hashtag Dundee every single day. Every day, you know? And that means that not only does it allow me to track what's going on, it also means if I click onto my own hashtag on Instagram, I can see everyone else that's posting at Dundee. If I go onto my explore feature, it shows me other Dundee people that are posting stuff and it lets me find them. I can't find them otherwise. So even if they're just taking a photo of their cat in Dundee, use the bloody hashtag. How are we going to find you? You know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of stuff that can happen social media-wise around that. Um, and something, one of the things that I got invited to the sort of the Dundee Instameet, which I didn't realise that they wanted me to speak at. Like, nobody told me that. And so I was there, and they were like, oh, finally come up and speak. Like, tell them something inspirational. I was like, oh. God, like, nobody's told me to do anything. And I said, and so my, my message was, like, those of you that are thinking about posting but haven't posted for whatever reason, just post it. Just post it. If it's not offending anyone, just post it. Put it out there. If it does offend somebody, well, tough. I mean, if you're openly being, like, xenophobic and racist, like, don't even go there. But if you've got your voice and you're thinking that it's not worth contributing to the conversation, contribute it to the conversation. Just do it. I think that's like for a lot of the, I see it less in like the kids that are kind of growing up and coming through, you know, like the teenagers who are coming in like 17, 18 now, they're on there anyway. Second nature. But the, to like the 20 somethings, the early 30s who are like, oh, should I start my Instagram page for my pottery teacups? Yes! Do it! Show what Dundee's creating. You know, let people see it. Let there be traceability. I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Thank you very much. Um, just before we finish, um, if anyone does want to go and find you uh, mm -hmm. online, where do they do that? So you can look me up on Instagram, which is Finlay, F-I-N-L-A-Y, 0901. Or you can check me out on Twitter at Scottish Yoga Boy. Also, you just need to search, Google search, Kilted Yoga. You'll find me. <laughs> great. Thank you. And that was Finlay. Thank you very much for him coming on the podcast and taking the time out of his crazy schedule. Uh, he's got so much going on all over the place. Um, such a nice guy, such a genuine chat. I uh, really, really enjoyed this one. And do go and check it out. All his videos. Um, yeah, and his, his crazy yoga pants on his Instagram feed as well. And get hashtagging. I think that that's a massively important sentiment. Yeah, let's do it. Let's promote Dundee more. Let's be more confident in the city and get it out there, whatever you're up to, whatever you're doing, share it, be more vocal. 
I think that's a really important message. And I think that's how, that's one of the ways in which we, we sort of grow the creative community and show the rest of the world that Dundee is a great place to be, so, so come and join us. But beyond that, if you'd like to support the podcast, um, you can do that by buying some nice stuff. If you go to cccdundee.com forward slash store, um, there's prints, there's mini quote books, and there's some badges. And all the proceeds, all the profits out of that go straight back into the podcast to cover some of the costs and keep making great episodes and putting a mic in front of some of the most interesting people that are in and around Dundee. But that's it. Until next week, goodbye. (laughs) 